Welcome to Indistinct Chatter. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Ruth. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Abrams. Jennifer is a former high school English teacher and a new teacher coach who discovered quickly that her credential in teaching students English didn't cover how to speak effectively to adults, how to work effectively as a group member, or how to be a professional. After 20 plus years in a school district in the United States, with a decade and a half spent working closely with new teachers, she developed an ever clearer awareness that while new teacher support focused on what happened in the classroom, what was happening outside the classroom, in meetings, in teams, in adult-to-adult discussions, was just as essential to the work in education. Jennifer, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So uh, I wanted the focus of this episode to be on your latest tome. And if you wouldn't mind, just give us a sort of 60-second snapshot of that. And then uh, I'd love to just delve into some, some questions that I have. and. I think our conversation will prove enlightening to many listeners. Oh, I'm 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 so glad to to share about this book. It's um it's a book that came out of it's come out of the 32 years that I've been in the field of education where there's a focus and and I you know as I said over 32 years over working with schools uh in the United States and internationally I've sort of noticed that there's a an expectation around being a professional you know, welcome to the school, be respectful, courteous, sensitive, and timely, everything will be fine. Uh, states, um, my state, California, has a, uh, a, has a what is it, a, a CSTP-6, a standard called developing as a professional. And there's all of this about professionalism, but nobody ever really talks about how do you develop that chunk of the work you do? How do you develop yourself to be a professional um, and and extend yourself and stretch yourself in that way? Um, And so the book, Stretching Your Learning Edges, Growing Up at Work, really is a beginning conversation about Yes, we're professionals, but then what else is it going to take for us to build up our individual efficacy in order to contribute as best as we can to the collectives, uh, our teams, our departments, and our school at large. I love what you said uh, in your opening words there about schools to say, you know, welcome. Everything will be fine. (laughs) Everything will be fine. All is well. Um, What have you learned in in working with so many schools and educators uh, that, that would maybe question whether indeed everything will be just fine. If it's an everything will be fine. If I think that we have, uh, we think that um, we have clarified what we mean by welcome to the team um, because in just, just welcome, you know, be respectful, courteous, sensitive, and timely and everything will be fine. And yet we haven't really unpacked what we have as hidden expectations, um, ideas of what we think the adults in the room should be about, how they should express themselves, how they should be able to manage um, their their feelings and their emotions, how they should be self-aware. Um, there's so much that we assume that 
once you have received a teaching credential or received any type of qualifications or gotten your admin job that you should quote unquote know. And I'm not discounting that there isn't a foundational level at which we should all be playing, but I really am interested in how we're developing ourselves uh, beyond that level. I think that um, I look at this concept of collective efficacy for which I have great respect. I think that if the collective can work uh, together and increase student achievement, that's wonderful. And we focus on PLCs or learning communities. But the question I always have been asking is, so what is a professional? What is a learner? How do I engage effectively in a community? And I don't think we ever really focus on that. And we should be doing more of that. Yeah, I was thinking of this, um, I guess, in two ways. One is in teacher preparation programs. For instance, uh, there is attention is is paid to the notion of professionalism and, and development and efficacy and so forth. But I think it's really hard to to deal with when you're in that teacher preparation stage. And that's one side. And then the other side is when you start. And maybe we can think about that in terms of uh, what might we call that induction programming as you as you join yes. a school. Again, the words seem to come out. But just speaking from my own personal experience of having worked in several schools, um, we were all about this, but you wouldn't necessarily know it if you looked at the structures that we had. Mm. And then I guess that makes me wonder about formal versus informal learning. And it would it would it be oh, I'm going to use the word fair, although I think that's not the right word, but would it, would it be fair to say that heretofore we've been relying too much on an informal learning approach to this and not, not enough of a even semi-formalized structure to help us? Mm. I, I don't know if it's about structures, although those are incredibly helpful um, to create safe containers in which to develop. But I think I think formally articulating that we are a school that doesn't just support child development, but also encourages and, dare I say, expects adults to develop. And this is how it might look. And so some people would say, and this is how it might look, focus on your craft focus on your teaching, your instruction, your understanding of your content. That's one piece of it. I would posit that we need to focus on our adult development. And so how do I know myself better? How do I suspend certainty? How do I take responsibility for building up my uh, language agility? How do I build my resiliency? Do I think that that has structures that come around it sometimes? But I think just the idea that each individual needs to determine where they personally have a stretch point, a learning edge, and to say, I want to be a value add even more than I am to the collective. And so I will develop myself and do some inner work. So 
does that mean structures? Maybe. Does that mean that we emphasize that every adult on this campus, regardless of role, is exploring an edge that might be something that they don't quite do as well as they'd like in terms of being a collaborative teammate? And there's a maybe um, a structure around that in terms of it's a part of your professional growth plan, sure, but it's an inner job, I think. And so structures, sort of expectations and aspirations and, and encouragement, absolutely. Yeah, that makes great sense. And I, I love this notion of stretch points. And, and so, you know, we get to that uh, terminology of, of learning edges. So could you help us to understand? Yeah learning edges. It's it's great terminology. Yeah. It's, I wish that, well, it's not mine per se. I have a cognitive crush on Dr. Robert Keegan. Bob Keegan is a professor emeritus at Harvard, and he is one of several people that went through uh, school there in the seventies and began to work there. And they started to develop this, this some theories around adult development. In the early 80s, he wrote a book called In Over Our Heads, um, sort of the modern demands of the, the mental demands of modern life. And what he was positing was we need to stretch ourselves. We are, we are, we're not, we haven't gone into spaces, ways of making meaning that are really necessary for the demands of our work and our lives. We we have an edge. We, we're pushing up against stuff. We haven't quite stepped into a new way of seeing things that would be help, more helpful to us. And I look at schools and after my... Th- I'm just looking, I'm like bending over here going 30 plus years of of working in them. I think that we have edges we need to stretch at as adults. And so I just call them learning edges. And in its it's Keegan's frame, adult developmental theory, but you don't need to know anything about that framework or that theory to know that you probably have a learning edge. You're like, mm. Yeah, you're right. I I don't always do that. That's a good reminder for me. That's a good stretch for me. I should do that more often. You you know where you aren't your best adult self in meetings. You know where you've got an edge. So I think we all just have learning edges. And the question is, can we support each other to kind of push at them and and kind of start to um, embody, exhibit uh, some better behaviors for the rest of, for just for for us to be able to be better selves in our in our collaborative moments. Do, do you think that learning edges are by nature places of discomfort? And just hold with me for hold with me for just a second on this one. And I ask that because often one will hear that some of the best learning for an individual occurs when that person can lean into and work through that discomfort. So is it always a place of discomfort or is it frequently a place of discomfort? Mm. 
I don't know. I think it's, I would for sure say it's frequently a place of discomfort or a place it could, maybe not always. It might be that you didn't even know that that was something that you needed to know. So it wasn't uncomfortable. Um, when you now have to live there, yeah, it's probably uncomfortable. I um, I was laughing that yesterday, a, a stretch edge for me, and this is not an but it is inner work, not just outer work. I'm going to learn to drive a stick shift car. I'm 54. I've never learned how to drive a stick shift car. Is that a learning edge for me technically? Yeah. I'm going to have to really learn how to do that. And we are going to, I literally was like blowing bubbles, like a a kid going to learn to swim class. We just went and I worked on the gears uh, yesterday. Uh, Next week, I'll probably actually take it out and figure out the clutch and the brake and the, and the gas. It's a stretch edge, but I'll tell you what, that's probably not just on its own. That doesn't need to be uncomfortable. It's the inner work that's uncomfortable. It's the it's the fear of failure. It's the it's the being on a it's 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 being an, a beginner again. It's it's um, being impatient. It's and so I guess I would say not my my immediate answer to your question was it's frequently and it's not always. But to me, it might be always. There's always like a discomfort, an internal discomfort. And if we can get over that, maybe it'd be easier. But boy, I'm going to have a lot of a lot of self talk <laughs> psyching me back into that car because I just already have some real fears about going on the road in a. Well, well, it'll be from from somebody here who learned how to drive a manual first. Yep. Um, I can say it's a highly useful skill to yes. know because having rented cars in many areas of yes. the world, you automatic. Can- transmissions were not readily available. You got it. And I'm grateful I could drive a, a stick shift. I'm with you. I think <laughs> it's useful. I have, I've understood it's useful. That would be a very <laughs> wonderful benefit. Does that mean that I ever learned how to do it? And as a 54 year old, like it's an old, can an old dog learn new tricks? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, you can. And um, I can stretch at this edge. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm proud of you for this work in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so speaking of this work, what, why, in, to your mind, why do you believe and feel that that this work is so important now? Not that it hasn't been. I mean, if Bob Keegan was writing about this in the early 80s and in Over Our Heads, which I love the title, um, what what is so germane about it in 2021? I'm I'm just thinking about just in the last week or two what's gone on. So I want I I can hold it in two different ways. If I look at this work societally, okay, not just just think about where we are as 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 a globe. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We've had uh, earthquakes, floods, hurricanes, wildfires. We're in the United States, and I assume many, many other parts of the world, dealing with a racial reckoning. We need um, to recognize that we are not, um, we're not individuals. We are interconnected. We need to work more closely together to manage climate change, to work on issues of race, to deal with, uh, God, threats foreign and domestic. I mean, you, you name it. It requires adults. Okay. And stretching at our learning edges are five skills that I think 
in this time of the of this time at this time uh, are skills that we need to develop. Okay, that's just as a society as a globe. In education, as we are modeling <laughs> for our students how to live in ambiguity, how to manage um, and model for them what it means to be an adult, um, as we work very hard in teams uh, to, to do school differently, we need to be our best selves. So I think it's like, it's, it's just an important time. When is it never a good time? Um, but to me, I just sort of see what are we trying to model for students and what are the skills we need to have in order to manage these challenging times as, as adults. And I've also been, um, and so those are my just sort of like statements. I've heard from uh, colleagues around the world that new new people are coming in uh, as uh, administrators, or we've got teams that really want to get off on the right foot, or we uh, have certain challenges that have sort of plagued us, and we would like to rebuild a culture, and so. I don't think that's ever not happening in schools, but it's happened this past year when it's time to maybe, God willing, come back and let's be two feet in the present and be better. And so it's it's a great time to to stretch at our edges in the ways that I've I've hopefully articulated at least as cleanly as I could in the midst of this pandemic. And it's a it's a good time for the world to have adults that. Uh, can be helping make be part of a solution and not add to the problems. Yeah, w one thing you just shared there, I mean, many things resonated, but but one thing in particular I, I really wanted to touch on, because um, this has been on my, my mind a lot for the last year, year and a half, and I've been doing my own work. I, I, in some ways, I guess I would qualify this as uh, leaning into my own learning edges. And, and this is around... Um, DEI work. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's some shifting around the acronym, you know, you'll hear DEI, DEIJ for J for justice or DEIB, B for belonging. Um, how do you think this, the, the work that you're, that you're doing, that you're talking about the learning edges, how can this help us as we, as we begin to, to reckon, because I really think that is the best verb to express this, to, to reckon with the issues of race, whether we're talking about it just here in the U.S., where we're both located, mm -hmm. or or elsewhere, where we've also been, you know, privileged to travel and so forth. Yeah, I I see this work as uh, very much aligned with DEIB DEIJ work. Um, in that every and I, and I'm speaking as a as a, a white woman here in the states, so I. Uh, uh, I'm imagining that this work can for all of us, and I'm not suggesting just dominant culture white or pretty soon not dominant culture, depending on where what where I'm at, um, where white people are. So let's just talk from as a white woman, how does this align with me? The first of the facets that I mention uh, in my book is know your identity. Um, 
you are upbringing our our um our identities know how um our our past has impacted our work now you can look at it through filters of race and ethnicity and to get to know yourself and then how does that impact you and your working with colleagues and with students um that's one piece. The second one is to suspend your certainty, to work on being able to suspend certainty. So if you are discounting, uh, oh, that didn't happen, or oh, oh, you shouldn't feel that way, or that's not true. If you, if you, if anybody's ever said any of that, suspend your certainty, you know, yes, it, it was true for somebody. Slow down, stop, don't think you have all the right answers. Admit that you don't, you know, you have limitations and just be in a space of inquiry, not advocacy. That I think is a DEI um, skill. Take responsibility for your language. If you um, need to have a hard conversation, say things in a humane and growth producing way. If you um, need clarity, express that in purposeful ways. If you need to apologize, learn how to do that. Take responsibility for your language um, and build your resiliency, I think is a key piece for many of us in DEI J work of be, be better with discomfort. Do not ooze your drama. Be, be psychologically and emotionally healthy for yourself and for your, and for others and build your resiliency enough so that you don't ooze your drama, um, and your pain into, uh, meetings. I was listening to somebody say to me that they were in a meeting and a, a white woman, it was about race. And a white woman said, I want to get this right. You know, is there is there an is there an outcome that I should be working toward? You know, like, okay, calm down, suspend your certainty, take responsibility for your language, know your identity, and build your resiliency to manage your discomfort. Those, I think, are many facets that can dovetail, align, mesh couple with DEIJ work. And I can only speak as a white woman. It, these are five things that I need to work on in order to engage in that work in a more mature way. Those are edges for me that will help me in that work. You know, that, that, that resonates. I know speaking for myself, I've got a lot of really good work in front of me that is, um, you know, challenging me and, yeah. and, and that is appropriate and, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into virtual signaling about what I'm doing about it and so forth, but suffice it to say, I've, I've really chosen to lean into this. And so it's, uh, mm. it's just good work. It's mm -hmm. good work. I'm just, I agree. Um, and, you know, over the next, hmm, let's say two to four weeks, um, you know, keep an eye on the, on this podcast because I've got a couple of DI, mm -hmm. uh, DEI, DIB practitioners who are going to be appearing. And I'll uh, be looking, really looking forward to sharing those, uh, those episodes and, and to learning from these you know, colleagues I've known for years in, in slightly different capacities and in different contexts. So pretty excited to, to work with them in the future. 
Um, in some ways, perhaps keeping that same piece in mind about DIJ, DIB work, and but but other pieces that you were mentioning early on. If we think uh, within the school context for a moment of of leadership development programming, and you know, some schools have really vibrant and um, what would I call them? Vibrant and huh, my favorite word, structure, right? Well structured programs in place with a defined pathway to follow and so forth. And, and, and others don't, but they're, they're open to sort of serendipitous meandering through leadership you know, courses, seminars, talks, whatever. If, if we paused for a moment to look at all of that and we just generically call it leadership development, how, how might schools incorporate the work that you're doing mm. into, into leadership development programming? And why is that necessary? Mm. I'm doing um, a significant number of consultancies with schools who have said, we would like to build our middle level leaders and their capacities to work um, facilitating other adults uh, in a team meeting, in a grade level meeting, in a department meeting. We've got new assistant principals. And so we'd like you to come and do some, quote, leadership development uh, with them. And that... This book says you need to grow up. And I mean, the up, you, I don't know, you can see it when you look at the podcasts um, in writing. It's the up is in parentheses. It's, it's just the idea that we all need to be modeling the developed self that we are hoping that, that our, our colleagues are. So hello, leader. You have to have these capacities. You have to model these behaviors. And so I am coming in and doing book studies around each of these key facets. And then people are developing their own sort of stretch edge work as leaders. Where should I push myself? Where should I put myself on an edge? Um, and so that's how it's kind of working. It's more of a, a book study and then a personal learning edge. And then some people have said to me, then can we work with you as a coach? Because then everybody might have their own personal edge, you know, stretch edge journey that they're going on. And the answer is sure, absolutely. Because then I can work individually with people on that. But it's, um, it's, it's the expectation that these are things you you are uh, you're you're in the state of being you you are already suspending your certainty you're already learning about your language you're already you know and so those are things that leaders should be doing and then everybody's on their own edges so can you help us with that so that's sort of where it's coming in we're doing sort of I'm doing six months with different people. I'm, I did two, two three-hour learning sprints with some people. Um, it's, um, I'm doing a book study uh, on Saturdays, every other Saturday morning. We're kind of thinking like this with a group. It's just been, um, it's been really interesting to see because everybody's got a different edge. Everybody's got a place where they're like, I'm not so good at that. And each of them help each other. So it's been it's been great to be companions or walking in companionship with people on this and having cohorts and then also doing this work one on one. It's been really good leadership development work. I think it's valid. I think it's very important. 
could you would you would you mind sharing without naming a school? Um, would you mind sharing the sort of parameters of, of of an approach to working with you on this that that you feel is particularly effective and why that is effective, keeping in mind probably pieces around adult learning theory? Sure. Um, one group, thinking of this at the top of my head, one group has decided that the whole school will be doing this as part of um, professional learning days. They have a goal of, um, of really becoming a more engaged and I wish I knew the other word. They, they, they just have a strategic plan that's really has specific things that they are tar targeting and they want the whole of the school to be able to move those things forward. And it requires of the school to be an engaged and a, a pretty maturely um, cohesive group. And it's big work that requires bigger selves to do the work. And so they have made the decision that every month, one of their staff meetings will include stepping back from the content of what they're moving forward with. They've got big goals around assessment and certain things and stop and look at themselves and the process of how they're doing it and how each person is being a value add to that process. And we're taking a look at different parts of the book in order to do that. I think it's a wonderful way to not have it be an add-on, but to stop and say, content is here and we have to stop and focus on process. We're just sort of rebalancing the polarity a little bit and emphasizing not either or, but both and. And I think that if this is done with the intention to support the goals and the outcomes of the, of the work of the school, and that this will make that easier, uh, colleagues can be more thoughtful. The work can, you know, if we go slow to go fast, it can go more effectively if we've got a group that's cooking, you know what I mean? And it requires these skills in order to make that happen. So I love what they're doing. They're, they're, they're meeting with me once a month to do that over the school year. That's, uh, you may be surprised to learn, but while you were talking, I, I decided to take notes on a couple of phrases you used. And, and the reason I did this is because I think they're either your next books or, <laughs> or there's some sort of like, uh, best, like best hits, like best of things like that. Okay. You ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm taking Okay. It. One is our bigger selves. Yep. Yep. I think it's a great title. It, it, maybe it's been taken, but who knows? Um, so our bigger selves. And the second one is rebalancing the polarity. Mm -hmm. These are like Zen-like titles. So I think you've just identified your next tomes. <laughs> Thank you. I, I totally, and that is what this book is attempting to do is to help us be our bigger selves, yeah. uh, to live up to our best potential. And that requires a little um, mindfulness around not just getting stuff done and the pro and the content and the strategic plan and the goals, 
but how we relate to each other, how we have created um, a team that has the skills to be as collaborative and as efficacious in that way as possible. And so it, it isn't like, oh, the adult just showed up that has all of these skills. We never got a credential in how to do this. We got credentials in how to teach. We didn't get a credential on how to talk to each other. So there needs to be time and emphasis and encouragement on let's just let's just look at that a little bit more. And so process is a worthy conversation topic. Well, and rebalancing the polarity, I think, is sort of the theme of where we are right now, all of us. Yes, yes. I agree. I'm taking and, and for for listeners who may or may not be picking up any background noise here in the Washington D.C. metro area, I apparently live on the flight path of of all known helicopters in in the region, and so I apologize if any of that background noise has has carried through. But it's a very real reminder of of where we're located. Um, was as we wind this down, um, obviously. You know, you you work with schools uh, domestically here in the United States as well as as internationally, which is where we got to to know one another. Could uh, you share with listeners how they might learn more about you, about this book, and if they're interested, contemplating how the school might might engage you to work with them? Yeah. I would be delighted. Um, I have a website. It's my name. It's www.jenniferabrams.com. On that site is um, information uh, I've spotlighted about this specific book as it's my newest um, and some videos. Uh, I actually have a video of me doing a Rotary Club um, explanation of this that people can look at. It's sort of my almost pseudo TED talk. Um, and there's a lot of information about this book spotlighted there. And I'd be delighted there is a way to email me uh, on the website. And it's also Jennifer at JenniferAbrams.com. And I'd be, I, I'm, I'd be thrilled to talk adult, adult development with anybody. So, you know, for listeners outside of the U.S. who may be unfamiliar with it, what's a Rotary Club? Rotary clubs are international. I know they are, but just in case, Rotary clubs started. I, I did a talk at one in Masterson, New, Masterton, New Zealand. It was so funny. Um, mm. Rotary clubs uh, cropped up in every region for. A set of people, this was a long, long time ago, for the community to come together. So you would have one lawyer, one car body auto shop guy, one dentist, one whatever. And they came together as Rotarians to do community work with each other. And that was the old, I mean, you know, that was in the olden days. Now anybody can join in. And this, um, this particular group is an e-rotary club. They're on. They're called the e-rotary club of Silicon Valley. They do community service um, online, and they have people from all over the world that actually come to their e-rotary, you know, thing. And it used to be a lunch or a dinner once a month. Um, it's just a, they're a, a beautiful group, sort of like maybe if people knew the Elks or the. You know, we have an Elks Club or the Shriners. It's just good community service and people connecting. And I just was delighted. I actually learned about this e-learning group um, from a gentleman in China who said, I think I know somebody who's in your area. And then we became friends. And he's like, come on 
on the Rotary Club e thing, and we did a whole did a whole Zoom. It was quite sweet. Wow, that's great. I love it. Wonderful. Well, listen, Jennifer, it's been great as as always speaking with you. I'm so so pleased that you could be a guest on the uh, Indistinct Chatter podcast. And uh, maybe we'll do this again sometime when your next tome, either our bigger selves or, <laughs> or rebalancing the polarity. Our bigger <laughs> selves is, is, released. Is, is, is released soon. Be, be <laughs> on the lookout and you'll be in the acknowledgments. So thank you for having me, Kevin. It's a great, great pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Indistinct Chatter podcast. And in the meantime, until the next episode, be safe, be well.